I don't have a single source of income where I'm the only person who makes money. Every money I make, someone else is also making money. So I'm in these win-win relationships. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Hello, this is Nikki Ballou, and you're listening to the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. I'm here with my amazing co-host, Michael Palmer. Michael, say hello to the folks. Hello, everybody. Awesome. And today, we have a real treat in store for you. This is someone who is a personal mentor of mine. I've known him for almost 10 years. He is one of the true legends and giants in the world of thought leadership and motivation. He has written several best-selling books, including the book 12 Pillars with the legendary Jim Rohn. I'm speaking, of course, of none other than the legendary and epic Chris Widener. Say hello to folks, Chris. Hey, everybody. At first, when you were describing that guy, I was wondering who you were going to have on the call. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, my man. I love it. Well, listen, you know, this podcast, Chris, is really a podcast that's for people who want to be thought leaders or are aspiring thought leaders. And the, the name of the podcast is The Business of Thought Leadership. And what we have our guests do is we have them talk about their expertise and their backstory to be sure. But one of the things that we really want you to focus on is how you went and established yourself as an expert, established yourself as a thought leader, and how that's allowed you to commercialize your business and your success in the marketplace. So would you mind just starting off by giving people that story? Sure, absolutely. I got started, it's kind of a roundabout, circuitous route with a couple of just amazingly serendipitous kinds of events that took place, but I'll give you the short story. In 19, let's see, about 1992, I started a business called the American Community Business Network, and it was faxed business journals. Remember faxes? Some of you millennials are going, go the fax. So fax is a piece of paper you stick in a machine and it goes out over the telephone lines and it prints out a piece of paper on another fax machine. That's for all you 20-somethings who are like, what in the world's a fax? So we ended up with thousands and thousands of uh, subscribers and it was it was basically a four-page fax. It had computer tips, motivational tips, leadership tips, sales tips, uh, customer service tips. It was for small businesses generally is what it was. And then we started licensing that content to people all around the country and it was all based locally. So I actually ran the one in my little town and then I licensed it to people in towns all across America and I provided the content. They sold the advertising and made, you know, made some income off of it. So in 1997, I think it was, I was living in Seattle. I was born and raised in Seattle. I just moved to Scottsdale after 50 years in Seattle about seven weeks ago to finally get out of the rain. 50 years of rain is long enough. (laughs) Absolutely. And, um, and so everybody had an email address. And so I said, well, man, I'm jumping off this fax business and I'm going to go to email. So I sent out one last fax and said, fax is over. Now it's email subscribe. 
And I went from like 50,000 subscribers to 800 subscribers. And what I realized was everybody in Seattle had an email address, but nobody in Omaha had an email address. And I, I, I was, you know, hanging out with all these Microsofties and all the tech people in Seattle. And then I went, oh, oops, that might have been a strategic error. <laughs> but I, 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 uh, I got it up to within a couple of years, I had 100,000 subscribers and, uh, and, you know, the Internet was taken off and email was taken off. And, and I built that that way. I wrote my first book, which was really just a collection of articles from my newsletter and self-published that book, sold a bunch of those. And really what I was doing was, you know, everybody had a website, but nobody had content. So the smartest thing I ever did was I cranked out content. I had about 450 articles that I wrote that I gave away to uh, website owners who needed content. And I gave it to them for free as long as they had a link back to my site and, uh, and a way to subscribe to my email address. And so uh, quickly I was, you know, I was in over 100 uh, websites a month and, and adding them uh, regularly and new newsletters and all that kind of stuff. And, and that was building my brand and, and, uh, and getting my name out there. You know, I was being asked to speak and, and all those kinds of things. Uh, the other thing that it did was it caught the eye of, of a number of, uh, people who became mentors and benefactors of mine. Um, pretty soon I was asked by John Maxwell, who's probably one of the top thought leaders in, in America today or the world today. Uh, I was asked to ghostwrite for him. So I ended up ghostwriting for John for about 18 months. That led to getting called by Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn uh, asked me to, to do some writing with him. I ended up writing the Jim Rohn one-year program, which is a one-year personal development program. Uh, co-wrote his last book with him called 12 Pillars. At the same time, I started a company called Made for Success, and we were developing audio programs. And what I did was I went out and I licensed audio programs from mainly the people in the National Speakers Association. We basically had a model of 14 CDs and one DVD in a box around a theme. So our top sellers were leadership success, sales success, and uh, verbal power. <clears throat> And in every one of the boxes, we had 14 CDs, one DVD, and I, I had a few anchor names, people that everybody would know whose names went on the cover, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Brian Tracy, Les Brown, guys like that. So we had four names on the front of every box. It was three big guys like Zig, Jim, and Brian. And then there was one other name we slapped on the front of every box, and it happened to be mine. So I owned the company. It was owner's prerogative. Brilliant. And, uh, and we, and we were selling 50,000 units a month through Costco and Sam's club. So, so that was one strategy that I used, uh, to, to, to do that. So, but you know, I got very fortuitous in getting picked up by John Maxwell and Jim Rohn. And then I had a TV show in Dallas, uh, called made for success where I interviewed thought leaders and, you know, successful athletes and business people and politicians and at the same time, that network asked Zig Ziglar to do a TV show. Well, Zig was getting on in years. And so Zig uh, knew me because we were writing him huge royalty checks once a quarter. And I already was down in Dallas doing the TV show. So they said, well, you know, Zig's getting older. He doesn't want to carry the show himself. We need a co-host. How about Chris? And so I ended up co-hosting a television show with Zig Ziglar called uh, True Performance. And, uh, and that ran for little over a year. I think we ended up doing 14 episodes. So, you know, it's sort of a collection of hard work, utilizing technology, some great breaks, getting, you know, picked up by some, some 
you know, not even well-known names. I mean, household names in the, in the industry, you know, when, when you're hosting a TV show with Zig, that's great for branding. When you're co-writing Jim Rohn's last book, that's great for branding. You know, nobody really knew I was ghostwriting for John cause my name didn't go on it. But, uh, you know, that's sort of the way that I got here. And then, um, and then I decided, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do any more ghostwriting, no more co-writing. I really want to focus on creating my own individual brand. You know, uh, Jim passed away, I think, uh, 2000, 2008, 2009, I think, uh, 2009, 2009, something yeah. like that. And uh, just been riding the wave ever since and still writing books. I just uh, wrote my 15th book and, and lots of e-books and lots of audio programs on iTunes and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's the, that's the four-minute version. Wow. I got to tell you, Chris, I mean, you and I have known each other for some time. We've had several conversations and I knew uh, bits and pieces of your story, but I'd never heard you kind of reveal all of this. So thank you for doing that. And it's, it's, it, it's a testament, I think, to the power of your associations and the power of having a no-quit attitude, right? You were able to leverage, as you said, some household names to help build up your brand. And in John Maxwell's case, you, you weren't able to build up your brand, but you got to be associated with one of the, the true legends in the industry. And you just didn't quit. You just kept going forward and making things happen. And that's a powerful lesson for any thought leader to, to take on for themselves. Yeah. I mean, unless you catch a lucky break, you don't become a thought leader overnight. You know, it's, it's work. In fact, my career just exploded when I connected with Jim and Zig and people would say, man, you're like an overnight success. I see you everywhere. And you know, how did you, how did you become such an overnight success? And I said, uh, by doing 20 person speeches in the back of every Hojo, uh, hotel, Howard Johnson hotel for, you know, in Topeka, Kansas for years and years, that's how I did it. You know, it, it reminds me of the, um, it reminds me of the uh, story Peter Lowe said once, you know, Peter Lowe, he's the guy that did those big stadium motivational events. Somebody said, how'd you end up uh, doing the biggest motivational rallies in the world? And he said, I started by doing the smallest motivational rallies in the world. <laughs> I love that. Said, That's hilarious. <laughs> first, his first motivational speech, he tells a story. It was, um, it was his wife and his mother-in-law and neither one of them paid to be there. And that was his first motivational rally he ever did. He had two people show up. Nice. You know what, uh, Chris, when I'm listening to you and, you know, the thing that jumped out blatantly to me was equity, brand equity, you know, the analogy of, of owning a home, right? You buy a home, you, you don't, necessarily own it. The bank owns more of it, but every month, every little bit, you're paying off a little bit and they're building equity. And you did that over, you know, sounds like a good solid decade or two of just building your own brand equity. And I think there's a lot to be learned from that. The other one is I've always thought of, you know, nature always gives us such great clues. And, and the first law of thermodynamics is heat transfers to cool. It's a, it's a universal law. And what you did brilliantly was put yourself next to hot individuals in thought leadership and motivation and leadership, and you learned from them. You also, you, you leveraged and borrowed some of their brand equity for yourself, which, you know, today now people go, oh, look at this guy, he's so successful. It's like, that's the hard work. That's all the equity that you built up. It's all of the work that you did with those people, uh, connecting with them and collaborating with them. None of this stuff gets done alone. And I think you're a great example of that. Thanks. And, and I'll give you a little lesson I learned, you know, because uh, I'm around a lot of speakers. I get calls every week. How do I become a, a speaker? How to become a thought leader? And one of the things that's interesting to me 
And this is, you know, goes back to Zig Ziglar's famous quote, you can have anything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want out of life. And, you know, a lot of people will meet a big name person. They'll meet a Brian Tracy or a Zig Ziglar, you know, or, or somebody like that. And what's, what is it that they say to them? Most people say, I want to do what you're doing. Can you help me? That's the wrong question to ask somebody who's got a big business, who, who has a huge reputation. They're not just going to, oh, yeah, sure. I've got a seminar coming up. You know, why don't you, why don't you co-keynote it with me? It's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, for real. Question you ask if you want to. I call it borrowing influence. You call it borrowing brand equity. I call it borrowing influence. And, um, and here's the question you ask those folks or, or anybody who's further along than you are. I want to do what you're doing. How can I help you? Don't say, how can you help me? They got enough people asking how, how they can help them, right? You want to go and say, how can I help you? So, you know, I'll give you a good example with the Zig thing. Zig asked me to come in and be a co-host of a, of a, of a TV show. Now, I don't know if you guys are, are familiar with the, um, the major league baseball all-star game, right? So every year, yeah. July, they have the all-star game. Well, there's a couple little events that they run around the, the all-star game. And one is the home run derby and the home run derby is some of the greatest players. And all they try and do is hit the ball out of the park and they get 30,000 fans show up just to watch these sluggers hit as many home runs as they possibly can. And all of the focus is on the batter, right? You know, it's, it's the big names and these are the big hitters and, and they're the star of the show, but there's another guy who's involved in that process. And it's the guy who stands on the mound and throws the ball to the batter. And that guy is just as important as that guy's just as important as the guy who's hitting the ball. He's not as famous as the guy hitting the ball. He's not going to get the accolades of the guy hitting the ball, but he's just as important. And so when I went into the Zig Ziglar TV show, my first thought was I'm the batting uh, pitcher. I'm, I'm the guy who's throwing the ball to Zig. He's the guy who's hitting home runs. He's a legend in our industry. He's making a hundred thousand dollars a speech. He and a few other guys pioneered the industry. He's the focal point. How do I go in and serve him? I know I'm not the guy getting the accolades. I'm the guy throwing the ball to him. My job is to throw it in the sweet spot so he can hit the ball out of the park. So I went into it with that attitude. I'm the pitcher, right? I just throw the ball and let him hit home runs. Well, after two episodes, uh, Tom Ziegler, the president of, uh, of the company and Zig's son came to me and he said, you know, Zig really likes you and, uh, and he wants you to talk more. He wants you to share more ideas and more of your concepts and things like that. And so by going into it with a servant attitude positioned with, you know, probably the quintessential motivational speaker, I was able to serve him to the point where he then elevated me. And that's the way you get elevated. You get elevated by serving. You don't get elevated by asking somebody to do something for you. You get elevated by asking somebody what you can do for them. And, uh, you know, when I was asked to co-write with Jim Rohn, I didn't say, well, I'm too big for that. I'm going to, I'm just going to write my own stuff. I thought, you know what, here's a way I can serve another legend in the industry, position myself next to him. And that opened up an entirely 
you know, huge part of my business. I had been a corporate speaker, Microsoft, General Electric, Cisco Systems, Harvard Business School and such. Well, then I opened up into the network marketing industry because Jim was so, you know, renowned in that industry. People would call up and say, hey, can Jim come and speak at our convention? Well, no, he can't. But Jim's protege is a guy named Chris Widener, and uh, Chris is available for that date. And then I ended up opening up a huge part of my business, probably about 50% of my business now. And so it comes through uh, really, if you're going to do that, borrow influence or borrow brand, you really need to go into it as a servant. How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I, how can I help do some research for you? How can I provide something of value to you that you can use? That's brilliant. And you know, that's, that's actually the first time you and I met in person um, was at a network marketing convention. I think it was ACN. Uh, oh, yeah. You were speaking for them back in 2008. And uh, I, I can totally see that. And I read 12 Pillars uh, uh, back uh, when you wrote it with, uh, with Jim. And I, and I thought it was an absolutely brilliant book. And it was a really, really great example of you borrowing that brand influence, that brand equity, if you will, and leveraging it to a higher level of success. And that's what a really effective thought leader does is they come up with their own original thinking. They build on the thinking of giants and then they use that original thinking that they have and they leverage it across multiple markets as well as multiple ways of delivering that expertise in order to be successful. And what you just said about leveraging from doing corporate speaking gigs to doing network marketing speaking gigs is a fantastic example of that. Chris, what are some other ways in which you've leveraged this tremendous expertise and brand influence and equity that you've built up for yourself that you think would be valuable for other thought leaders to learn from? Well, I think one thing that I realized, I actually sort of it sprung out of my head one time in an interview and I said something that I, I had realized in the moment and then it's been something I've really pushed as a principle to people. I don't have a single source of income where I'm the only person who makes money. I'm the, I, I, every money I make, someone else is also making money. So I'm in these win-win relationships. I'll give you a good example. I'm starting a company right now with one of the top 10 income earners of all time in network marketing. Uh, you know, people say, well, I'm a seven-figure earner. Well, that's great. This guy's a nine-figure earner in his lifetime. 21 years, over $100 million in, uh, in royalties in a network marketing company. He and I have partnered to start a company called Elite Network Marketer. And, uh, and what we did was we partnered because network marketing is a lot about network marketing, but it's also a lot about personal development. Almost all network marketing companies have a huge personal development uh, theme to it. Um, and guys like Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar, you know, really help solidify that into the industry by doing so much personal development for the industry. And, uh, and I was talking to him the other day and I said, you know, this has never been done before where a, a third party, you know, not part of the company where two people with two strengths, leaders in their industry have partnered up together to provide training to this industry. There's lots of people doing network marketing training but it's usually one guy or one woman and it's all about them. And I reminded him of one of my favorite biblical passages. And it's an old proverb in the Bible that says, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. 
And I said, what we're doing here is going to be monumental because we love each other. We respect each other. We admire each other. We recognize each other's strengths and how we're complementary. And we're going to enter into this marketplace. And we're going to, I really believe, dominate this marketplace of online training for network marketers because we're going to have two people working together to provide all of the kinds of information that people need. So I'm going to make a bunch of money, but he's going to make a bunch of money. Uh, I, I'm in business with publishers. They make money. I make money. Uh, somebody invites me to come and give a, a speech. They're making money. I'm making money. Even my, you know, my agent who books me for speech, I make money. She makes money. Um, you know, everywhere across the line, if you can, if you can incentivize other people to make money with you, then they're going to help you. They're going to expand your network. They're going to push you out to other people. You know, one of the things that I tell beginning speakers or beginning thought leaders is, is rather than doing just your own audio program, which you should do, do your own audio program, but go to three or four other people that are in your sort of similar genre. So let's say you're a time management person or you're a innovation consultant or whatever it might be, go to three other three or four other people and cut a deal with them and say, tell you what, why don't we each do two CDs and uh, let's put together eight CD package. And of course, now we're going to almost all digital. So you'd have to put it together as a download. All of us contribute two CDs to the package and we all have the right to produce it and sell it and keep the profits. So whatever I sell, I keep. Whatever you sell, you keep. So you're contributing your intellectual property to three other people who can then go out and monetize it. But they're contrib- you have three other people contributing to your uh, product that you can go out and sell and monetize. And so that's a great way to, to help other people make money. And then you know, you, you're able to produce a, a bigger, better product that's going to provide more value that, quite frankly, you can sell for a lot more money. You know, if you just did your own little two CD package, you might be able to sell it for, you know, $27. But you put out an eight CD package, you can sell it for $97. And and if you if you cut that type of deal where you're the one who's able to sell it and keep the profits, you know, you produce them yourself, keep the profits yourself, then you're going to make $97 instead of $27. You know, Chris, I love this entire segment that you just um, revealed to us because it's brilliant. First of all, it, it just speaks to the heart that you have, that you're all about making sure that whatever you do, you have other people make money from it. So that really touched me deeply. And I thought, wow, man, I love what this is. This guy's all about this. I believe in this. It resonates with me. But I also then really, really liked some of the examples you gave. You know, this uh, friend of yours who's a nine-figure earner in network marketing, I think, I think it's brilliant to have someone who's been there and done that inside the field team up with one of the icons in the industry of personal development like yourself to develop a program. And I think it is absolutely going to be fantastic. And this idea that you just shared around people getting together with other top experts in their industry and, and putting together programs that combine all of their expertise and cutting innovative deals to sell it is absolutely brilliant. Well, I mean, that's Nikki. That's what we did in, in the Costco deal. I went out to people and I, I just picked up the phone. My partner and I, we spent a summer on his back porch in Issaquah calling speakers. And I said, look, here's the deal. Do you have a product that you already have? And he said, yeah, I got, you know, they would say, yeah, I got, you know, seven CD sets. I said, great. Pick a CD under leadership 
and send it to me. I still remember the first person I signed to the deal. It was Mark Sanborn, uh, who's one of the great wow. thought leaders in the area of leadership and, and uh, customer service. So I said, Mark, I said, do you got, you know, I pitched him on the idea and he goes, well, like, what are you talking about? And I said, do you have an old CD you can give me? Let me use it for free and I'll pay you on everything I sell. And he says, yeah, he overnighted me uh, an old leadership CD called Upgrade Your Leadership. And upgrade was an acronym, acronym U-P-G-R-A-D-E. And, uh, and then I found 14 other people. So I had 14 CDs, one DVD, and we put it in these packages and we sold 50,000 units a month through Costco and Sam's Club. So, you know, at 50,000 units, they were selling it at, uh, I think we sold it to Costco at, you know, call it 25 bucks a, a thing. I think we sold it for 26 bucks to Costco. So $25 times 50,000. I mean, you can do the math. It's a million, whatever, million, 250,000 a month in, uh, in revenue. And then we paid royalties out on that. And what we did was we paid royalties based on how famous they were. So Zig got the most, you know, Zig and Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy, you know, they got 25 cents a box is what we were paying them. And then, you know, there were some people who were just starting out, maybe weren't famous. They didn't contribute a lot to brand, but they had great um, information. We'd pay them a nickel a box. But, but a lot of them, they were giving us a CD they'd already produced. We didn't take any rights to the program, so they could, they could continue to sell it on their own which they did. And then they would get a royalty check from me. I'll tell you a funny story that happened to one of them. Uh, we did a thing called winning strategies and it was all athletes and coaches. It was a lot of former professional athletes who are now speakers and whatever. A guy called me up one day and he said, Chris, you won't believe what just happened. And I said, yeah, what's that? And he said, well, I just got a phone call from the person who runs the something initiative at the White House. And uh, the speaker they were going to have just had an emergency and isn't going to be able to speak. And this woman remembered hearing me speak on one of the audio boxes that she bought in Costco. And she called me up and asked me to speak. So I'm going to the White House in three days to speak to 500 community leaders from all over the country, et cetera, et cetera. So he went and spoke at the White House. He called me up like six months later and he said, do you know how many speeches I booked out of that deal? And it was something like 13 speeches at $7,500 a piece or something like that. So he gave me something to use for free, which I did. I paid him on everything sold. He got his name out there. He got invited to the White House to speak to these 500 leaders from across the country and booked 13 speeches at $7,500 a piece, which is, you know, call it a hundred grand. That is awesome. I love that. My God, man, it's, it's phenomenal to be so creative in putting together deals as a thought leader. And you really are showing how you've taken thought leadership and actually treated it like a business. And that's one thing that a lot of thought leaders struggle with. You know, they're really good at coming up with phenomenal content and information. But when it comes to getting creative about getting it out there and selling it, they haven't necessarily been able to do that. But what you've done on this particular segment and on this interview is you've shown people that's possible, that's simple. And if they take the time and do the work on developing their name and putting themselves out there, they can, they can really make a big impact out there in the world and make a lot of money while they're at it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's the, your, this episode definitely is all about the business. It's clearly the business of thought leadership, Chris. You've got that 
nailed, which I'm thinking our listeners are going to love some of the math that's happening. But the other thing that's really clear to me, and we talk about this a lot in, in our program, is an abundance mindset. You're looking everywhere. What is the opportunity, not just for yourself, but what is the opportunity for other people? And people are are collaborating with you, just like this example you've used. It's, it's There's enough out there for everyone. Just go out there and put yourself out there and it will show up. And so it could have been like, well, no, this, uh, I forget the name of the person that sent you that first CD. Mark but, Sanborn. But Mark Sanborn. You know, he could have said, well, you know, send me some money for the CD or what's this deal going to look like? You know, that would have been scarcity playing. He said, no, here you go. Way way to go. Go run with it. And all of a sudden, down the track, it flourishes into this beautiful crop uh, for everyone. So, Well, I'll tell you a story about somebody who declined. And I had very few people decline. But I called this woman up and I said, hey, you got an old CD that I can take and, you know, and, and I'll put it into boxes. We'll sell thousands and thousands a month and pay you a quarterly royalty. And she was in the – and there's sort of this mindset amongst the National Speakers Association. I love the National Speakers Association. I used to belong. I don't anymore. I've got tons of friends in it, not trying to knock it. But there's this sort of this mentality that says I got to get paid for what I'm doing and I got to get paid up front. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know – if, if you pay me to give a speech, but you want to record it, you got to pay me more to record it, you know, and it's, it's like, it's like getting those dollars, right? They, it's, it's, it is kind of a scarcity mentality. And this woman said, no way you got to pay me an upfront, uh, you know, uh, an advance on royalties and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I said, okay, I said, that's fine. So you're not interested in that program. Let me ask you, uh, another program that, um, that I'd like to, uh, that I'd like to propose to you. How about if, um, if I print up a brochure, um, and it's going to have all of your information on it, it's going to talk about who you are as a speaker. It's going to give them some of your content. I'll pay for all the production of this brochure and I'm going to get it to 50,000 potential buyers, uh, every single month. And, and I'm going to pay you a nickel on every single one of those brochures that I send out just for letting me put that brochure out. And this woman said, oh, absolutely, I'm in. Count me in on that. I said, well, there's only one hitch. And she said, yeah, what's that? And I said, it's an audio brochure. We put it on a CD. Hmm. She didn't get it. That's funny. She didn't get it. I get it. it. She wouldn't let me use her CD to send it out to 50,000 people a month and pay her a nickel per per time. But she'd let me write up a brochure and send it out to 50,000 people, right? It just made no sense at all. And, and she just didn't get it. She, she was in that scarcity mentality. She was in, I got to get paid for my, she didn't want to bet on the comms. She didn't want to, you know, and it was just, and she was one of the few people that declined and said no. And then she realized I'd kind of, you know, I kind of tricked her a little bit on that by making her rethink the, the deal. And I think she got, I think she got a little embarrassed that she didn't see it and she didn't do it. And uh, many of her friends did. We paid them thousands and thousands of dollars on a product that they probably weren't selling much of themselves anyway. And they were just re-monetizing it. We didn't take any rights to it. It was completely, you know, uh, completely theirs. They owned the content. We were simply paying for the right to put it into a box on, on a non-exclusive basis. You know, I love that story, and I've got to share my own uh, story, which is I was that person. Uh, Early in my career, uh, someone reached out to me. They said, you know, we're having this big conference, and we'd like you to come and speak. And I, you know, I I just felt like 
to be a speaker, you needed to get paid. So I put a proposal together and it was, you know, it was way beyond what I should because I wasn't a professional speaker. I wasn't getting paid to speak anywhere else. But yet my very first speech, I should get paid what professional speakers are getting paid. And guess what? I didn't get the role, right? And someone else did. And later down the tra track, a few years later, I got involved with that association and I, I ended up working with them later down the track, but it actually ruined or, or impacted what my value was way down the road. So, you know, the, the reason why we talk so much about it is that I've burnt myself. It's like one of those lessons of, wait a second here, I don't think I've got this right. I need to come from abundance and, you know, if, and, and find out, you know, get myself out there at, at any, at any cost on my cost, because I know that's going to lead to, to more impacts. And I think that's the, the key well, is, yeah, it's, it's strategic return on investment. I'll give you an example of a speech that I gave where I paid to go there. It was in Australia. And I paid my own way, paid my own hotels, paid for everything. I don't even remember if I paid them to do a fee. I might have even paid them 5000 bucks or something like that to go speak. It was to 3,000 network marketers in Brisbane, Australia. And so all in, I was probably in for 10000 bucks to get down there. You know, it's, it's five grand anytime you want to fly to Australia, even in the cheap seats. So I was into this thing for about 10000 10, bucks. I gave one 45-minute speech, got up one 45-minute speech to 3,000 network marketers and sold $140,000 worth of audio programs. Wow. Now, most people would say, oh, I'm sorry, my speaking fee international is $15,000. You're tripping over nickels getting to dollars. Too many people are tri tripping over nickels getting to dollars. They don't see the big picture. Uh, I gave a speech once uh, uh, up in Whistler, British Columbia well below my speaking fee, my, my stated speaking fee. But there were 130 CEOs of uh, food distribution companies in that room, and they were the CEOs. And I booked 11 speeches at $7,500 a piece in the next 18 months out of that room. I took a, a much lower fee, but I made it up because it, it's all about return on investment. And so many people get stuck in this thing where, you know, this is my stated fee and this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, and, and I can't do it unless you hit that fee. Yeah. And that's actually, that's actually kind of preached amongst a lot of the, um, the speaking industry people is, you know, you never negotiate your fee. You never, you know, whatever, you always have to get paid. You're a professional, you know, a plumber wouldn't come out and fix your toilet for free. So why should you go give a speech for free? Well, I'll tell you what, if I knew a guy who, uh, who owned a plumbing supply company and, or whatever, I'd go fix his toilet for free if it meant I was going to make $75,000 in you know, toilet sales the next year or something like that. That might be a bad analogy, but you know, I mean, too often we have this myopic view of, uh, of how to make money instead of, as you call it, an abundance mentality or a, a big picture mentality on how to make money. Absolutely. And it's the currency, right? It's what, you know, getting paid to do a speech or do a talk is one way, but who's in that audience and is there's currency in that audience. And so what the funny part is to cap off that story, that same association, I now spend at least $10,000 a year sponsoring that association so that I can go and be in front of that audience. So what I didn't realize at the time was that there was a lot of value there just to be there, be in the room, be on that stage. That was worth 20, 30, 40, a hundred thousand dollars. 
uh, if I would have just gone and done it for free and did all the work and, and, and done that talk. So great lesson for me. And I think you're really just bringing it on a, on a massive level, how big an opportunity there is. Don't just look at what the dollars are up front. That what you did by paying to go to Australia was an investment, investment in yourself, investment in your business, and then it paid big dividends down the track. And we all need to think about what is the deal here? Where is the money going to eventually end up? Obviously, that's a smart business decision, but it not very often it's not at the front end. Well, and if you guys, uh, you probably have a lot of people who are consultants as well that are listening to this and speaking Tons, yeah. is a sort of a boss sort of a loss leader. And the guy that I respect most and has written a number of books on it is a guy named Alan Weiss. And Alan, you know, Alan could probably make $50,000 a speech if he wanted to, but I don't remember the last time I heard what he was charged was 10,000. He might be more than that, but he goes in and does these $10,000 speeches and walks out with half million, million, $2 million consulting project. Yeah. He's the author of the book, million dollar consulting. Yeah. He's, he's, he's big. Dollar consulting is, is his is his deal. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, that's really really well put. You know, one of the things that you said um, earlier on in, in this interview, uh, Chris, which I really liked, was that you know in the Bible it said that one person can serve a thousand, two people can serve ten thousand. I'm a really really big believer in that as well. It's one of the things that works about Michael and I's partnership. On our own, we're able to make a X impact. Together, we're able to make a 10x impact, even a 50x yeah. or 100x impact. And, and and that was brilliantly put. So listen, you know, as a, a segue to wrapping up this interview, what we're going to do now is ask you to give us your three expert action steps for our listener. And put it in the context of this, we believe that the business of thought leadership is to be known for your expertise in the marketplace. So if you look at it from that context, Chris, what would be the three expert action steps that you would recommend our listener takes so that they two can impart this business of thought leadership of being known in the marketplace for their expertise. Boil it down to three, huh? Well, the first one is easy. Think. You're a thought leader. Think. Don't regurgitate. Don't take somebody else and, and you know, switch it up. Don't, you know, don't take, uh, you know, Stephen Covey's begin with the end in mind and say, you know, start with your goal in mind. You know, that's not thinking. That's not a thought leader. That's a thought regurgitator. Be a thinker. Spend time thinking. You know, you can get so caught up in your business and so caught up in traveling and so caught up in speaking that you're not really thinking. And if you're a thought leader, you need to think and you need to think new thoughts and you need to think original thoughts. You know, Mark Sanborn, you know, he's not as famous as Zig or, or you know, Jim Rohn or those guys. But Mark has had, you know, I don't know for a fact, but I'm guessing Mark has done a million dollars a year in speaking fees for the last 30 years. You know, that's $30 million in income over the course of, of a career, uh, which is great. You know what Mark does every single day? He leaves his office with a yellow legal pad. He goes down to Starbucks and he spends a half an hour thinking and writing out the thoughts. And some of that stuff turns into million dollar ideas and books and best selling books. And some of the stuff just ends up on legal pad and gets thrown away eventually. But you have to think if you're going to be a thought leader and, uh, and coming up with your own concepts, your unique concepts uh, that can help build your brand. I would say the second thing to burgeoning thought leaders 
is to understand that this is a business and it's really about brand. You could pick a guy like John Maxwell. John makes 75 grand a speech and you can take another guy who makes $10,000 a speech and another guy who makes $3,500 a speech. Um, are they really worth $65,000 more? Is, is John really worth $65,000 more than the guy who makes $10,000 a speech? I mean, in terms of content, no, probably not. I mean, he's great. I love John. John's great. So is the $10,000 uh, an hour guy. And so is the $3,500 an hour guy. Are, are they being paid for strategies and things like that that really are worth that much money? No, they're being paid on brand. They're being paid for their brand. And what, is the, what does the company get out of brand? What does a network marketing company get out of having a John Maxwell rather than a $10,000 an hour guy nobody's ever heard of? Well, they put butts in seats. The brand puts butts in seats. You know, at $75,000, if it's a $1,000 registration fee to go to a conference, can they get 75 people more to the conference because Maxwell's speaking instead of Joe Schmo, who nobody's heard? Uh, yeah, that's the way it works. It's why guys like Lance Armstrong, back before he had his scandals, Lance was getting $300,000 to show up at conferences. And, and people would say, well, how, is, how is Lance Armstrong worth $300,000 to show up at a conference? Well, because if the registration fee is $500, all it means is 600 more people show up and they get their $300,000 back. Is Lance Armstrong going to show up and say anything mind-bending? No, he's going to show up and say, work hard, be diligent, you know, pump your blood full of oxygen. <laughs> Sorry, I had to <laughs> oh. You know, uh, but you know what I'm saying? It's like you get paid for brand. And the way you build brand is by being unique. It's by being well-known. I, I hate to say it, but this works with total morons. Yeah. Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are total morons. If, <laughs> if your son or daughter brought them home and said, hey, this is my – if Kanye West wasn't a famous singer and your daughter brought him home, you'd say, this guy's a moron. I forbid you to date this guy, <laughs> right? But, but, you know, this guy can – this guy can, you know – he can pee on a painting and sell it for $100,000. I mean, because you're buying the brand, right? So it's about brand. Uh, Donald Trump, who's in the news right now, I remember one of his first books, I think it was Art of the Deal. He talks about going out to lunch with a famous painter friend of his. And he went to the guy's studio uh, to pick him up to go for lunch. And uh, the guy, as they were walking out of his studio, the guy says, and I don't know if I remember the numbers right, but the guy says, hey, Donald, you want to see me make $50,000? And Trump says, yeah, I'd love to see you make $50,000. He goes, oh, okay, cool. So just take me a couple minutes. He walks over to a big blank canvas. He pulls like a red paintbrush out of, out of the paint, flicks it at the canvas, splatters on the canvas. Then he pulls out a blue one, splatters it on the canvas. Then he takes a yellow one, splatters it on the canvas. Then he picks up a a calligraphy pen, signs his name on the bottom and says, $50,000, let's go to lunch. Oh my <laughs> God, that's not a brand. They're, they're not, you know, they're not buying, oh, you know, I mean, I suppose you got these guys that they're in the art world and go, you know, they look at that, you know, splattered painting and they go, oh, I think that represents the uh, intricacies of life. Do you see how the blue misses with the red? You know, I mean, I suppose you got those folks, but they're going, they don't say, oh, look at this. They say, oh, I got this Joe Schmo painting. 
that's what they're paying for, right? So build your brand. And I think just a very simple strategy that I'm, I've been using and I would suggest people use is you've got to get on social media. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, Chris, I am a very highfalutin, I talk about very in-depth, you know, strategic, smart kinds of things. I don't want to be on Facebook where people are posting, you know, pictures of their lunch. Well, <laughs> most, people think, most people think of Facebook as a social media where you post pictures of your lunch. Facebook is the biggest data company in the world. And it is where everybody is, 1 billion, 200 million people are there and they are buyers and you can so highly target your marketing that uh, you can create a Facebook page and, and get just the people you want. You can advertise to just the people you want who are buyers of your product, um, buyers of your speeches put them into a Facebook page. And then what I've been using a lot is what's called Facebook Live. And Facebook Live is where you just click like you're going to write a post and then you hit the little Facebook Live icon and, uh, and you go live. And I'm getting 20,000 views on a lot of my videos. I'm, I'm uh, you know, low end would be 7,500 views. High end is 20,000 views. So anytime I want to send a video that I want 7,500 to 20,000 people to see. I just jump on Facebook Live and, uh, and I crank out a little four or five minute little video that, that shows my expertise, shows what I know, encourages people, challenges people. And it's building, a, uh, building my brand more and more. I have a coaching client who's a, a musician in, um, in uh, Hawaii. And um, he does sort of island music. And so he said, I have People in the Philippines love me, he said. So we developed a Facebook Live strategy for him where he got on Facebook Live. He did his first one. And he now you think of these numbers. He has 4,000 people on his Facebook page. And I said, just get on there with you and your guitar and talk to him about this song that you just wrote, why you wrote it, and then play the chorus for him. And he did that, shot a little four or five minute video, talked about the importance of the song, how he wrote it, why he wrote it, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, he released this thing and he boosted it, which means he advertised it. It's a boost post. He spent $7. So keep track of this math, $7 to boost to 4,000 people. When the campaign for $7 was over, 60,000 people had that thing shown into their newsfeed. 15,000 people clicked on it and looked at it. A thousand of those 15,000 became fans of his Facebook page. He went from 4,000 fans to 5,000 fans. And a thousand people went to his website and signed up for his newsletter. So I said, let's think about the math there. And I'm just coaching him through this. You spent $7 and picked up a thousand, a thousand people on your, on your newsletter, right? Your email newsletter. He said, yeah. I said, great. So that means if you wanted a hundred thousand people just using the general math, you'd have to spend $700, right? He said, yeah. But that's a lot of money to him because he's, you know, kind of a struggling, you know, artist, right? So I said, but let's do the math on that. How much are you going to sell your album for when it releases? And he said, 12 bucks. And I said, all right, let's assume you have 100,000 people who you know like you because they signed up for your stuff and you sell that album for $12. Let's just go really low and say that over the course of a few months, you can get 5% of those people to buy your album for $12. So what's 5% of 100,000? He says 5,000. I said, what's 5,000 times $12? He says 60,000. You're trading $700 to reach people who specifically like you and your music. 
you're trading $700 to get $60,000. And all of a sudden, even though he was in Hawaii and I'm in Scottsdale, I could hear the light go on. Bam. That's how it works. So, you know, if you can utilize the same thing by promoting your expertise via something like Facebook Live, which I think I, I was on Periscope for a while, but it just does not have the reach that Facebook Live does. And so I, I don't use Periscope much at all. I use almost exclusively Facebook Live. And um, and so, you know, that's another just very strategic tip. Get your Facebook page set up. Make sure it's branded to you. Make sure it's clear what you're a thought leader in and then start providing content. Maybe if it's maybe it's three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, maybe it's twice a week, Tuesday, Thursday, maybe it's once a week, every Wednesday. Schedule it a certain time. Make sure you have something powerful to say and then get on there and say it and then see what kinds of traffic you get, see what kinds of shares you get, and then you can even promote it and get even more. Wow, that's absolutely fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And so, you know, Chris, you, you, you've shared some really great expert action steps here, but I think we need to share at least one more. To, that's really to talk about you, your books, your website, and whatever new programs you may have out there, because I think a lot of our listeners are going to be very interested in those. So if there's anything in particular that you'd like people to, um, to know about in terms of engaging with you and your brilliant, masterful thought leadership and content, please go ahead and do that now. Sure. Well, you can go to Amazon, pick up any of my books or audio programs. Just go to Amazon, search for Chris Widener. They're all there. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Chris Widener Speaker. So facebook.com forward slash Chris Widener Speaker. Um, that's my primary source of communication. Uh, anything at chriswidener.com is my, is my site. And then if you're in network marketing, I know some folks might be in network marketing or something like that, building a little side business. You can uh, go to Facebook and search for elite network marketer. And we're going to, we're going to do a lot of online training there. And even if you're maybe not in network marketing, you're going to see some strategies. You'll be able to see how we do it. And, you know, basically you start with free material that people love. You sell them into a $27 deal, $97 deal, $297 deal, $777 deal. And, and you move people through that funnel and you create the income. Uh, and it's, and basically we're thought leaders and we're, so you, if you even if you're just looking at it for a strategy, that's going to be a great place for you to see two people who know what they're doing, utilizing a strategy for monetizing information. You know what? I really like what you just said around that because I think that's an example of thought leadership uh, and the business of thought leadership in action. So I'm definitely going to go at least check it out myself and recommend that our listener go ahead and do that. And um, cool. again, uh, Chris, thank you so much. And uh, uh, one of the things that uh, we uh, want people to do in listening to this podcast is listen to it. And then go out there and tell us what you think. Go on iTunes and rate our podcast. If you loved it, give it a five-star rating. If you didn't love it, don't give us a rating. I'm just kidding. Give us whatever rating you feel is best. But make sure that you get out there and let people know what you've thought of Chris and the other great guests on our podcast and this uh, wonderful thing that we're doing together. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for the listeners, obviously go to thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Go to episodes. We're going to have all of the links and everything Chris has mentioned. We'll have that there with the show notes. And as well, I want to point out for a limited time to thank our listeners because we've recently launched this podcast. Uh, check out on the top there, it says free book 
We're going to thank our listeners for leaving us reviews, and we're going to ship them a book. Uh, We've got a couple options there. There's absolutely no cost. You don't have to put your credit card in. Just leave a review on iTunes. Give us the information of where to ship the book, and away you go. Chris, thank you so much. This has been extremely valuable to myself, and therefore I know it will be extremely valuable to our listeners. Lots of gold in there and inspiration as well to just keep putting ourselves out there and, and going for it. So thank you for being a guest I know it's going to be real, uh, really well-liked from our listeners. And I'll say Thanks. this for myself, Chris, as well. You've been a, a mentor and an inspiration to me, so it's just a real treat to have you uh, on this episode. Thank you so much for honoring us by being here. The legend himself, folks, Chris Widener. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening.